Welcome back, listeners. Today, we are continuing our new series, Growth Mode On, sponsored by our good friends at growthmatch.com. Growthmatch helps tech companies grow their audience, supercharge their sales, and activate thought leadership in their industry. They are turning entrepreneurs into thought leaders one video at a time and by utilizing fractional growth teams. You can learn more by checking out their website at growthmatch.com. Well, today I have a special guest on the Code Story podcast, Lee Gilly, the founder of Docmo. He's a mixed background in mechanical engineering, software development, design, is now founding a startup. Lee, thank you for being on the show today. Happy to be here. Before we go too far into Docmo and and you know how you got started building this and some of the stories around why you built it, tell my audience a little more about you. We'll, we'll go way back. Uh, I grew up on a farm, actually, in South Carolina. So my childhood w- was partially filled with shooting cow patties with a BB gun. I really, really enjoy the outdoors and working with my hands. And I think that predicated my pursuit of mechanical engineering. Lived in France as a kid as well. Alors, je parle un peu de français. But uh, yeah, I started working uh, in the oil services industry, building fuel tanks. Moved around a lot with my first big boy job out of school. Quit them after two years to, to start my um, ventures. I love it. I, I grew up in a small town. I hear that shooting shooting cow patties with your BB gun. I I, I don't know if I shot cow patties. I shot wasps and, and, and wasp nests, and that that was a it was a good time. Well, shooting wasps is a little more advanced than shooting cow patties. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Tell me about you know Docmo. Let's just start with what inspired you to start your business and become an entrepreneur in this industry. A lot goes into it, I guess, but the the pursuit of building something great is probably the short answer. A few disappointing scenarios happened in my early working career where I was shocked at how underwhelming some people were and some objectives were and some responsibilities were. And I thought, man, I, I just want to do something a little bit different than the rat race. So, yeah, at CBNI, Chicago Bridge and Iron, I was doing Excel work and I kind of became the Excel guy and saw a need there. And I'd always liked computers as well through high school and college and just kind of found myself in a software development, software design solutioning position. So tell me, tell me what Docmo is. Tell me and my audience what Docmo is. Give me the, the overview. So Docmo, we are a software consultancy. We build custom products, typically for solving productivity and compliance issues for internal operational stuff. We have a product, a SaaS product, which is intelligent automation for documents and content in the Microsoft environment. So it's data source agnostic. We can pull data from anywhere, a database, a web app, Excel or Word. And this Docmo or eponymous SaaS product, it will intelligently, automatically produce content in Word, Excel, Outlook, etc. Okay, so... I can extract from that. Your customers are the business unit leaders, right? And so finance and engineering companies, really, really people that are using the Excel suite and you're meeting them right where they are. What are they struggling with most right now? A big struggle for our customers is changing requirements. 
you know, they implemented Salesforce eight years ago. And eight years ago, it was perfect, probably. But it's sometimes costly, maybe costly from a financial perspective, maybe costly from a time and people resources perspective. But it can be costly to change and evolve big software systems. But business changes whether you want it to or not. And so that's kind of where we step in. Again, eight years ago, they were maybe only using Salesforce, but new requirements come about. They start using Excel more and more. I like to call it these 20% orbiting, lightly managed systems that orbit around your big, and I'm just using Salesforce as an example, your big mega product. And so we help them add compliance, add productivity, add control, add connectivity to these orbiting workflows, many of which happen in Excel, in and around Excel. That's a good segue into my next question then. So, you know, it's it's 2023, right? Why are businesses still using Excel today? G- give me give me some more context on on that. Obviously, it's a powerful tool. It's been used for a long time, but why are why are they still using Excel today? Kind of goes back to the comment a moment ago about business changing. But another good answer is that Excel is just so damn flexible and you can get a lot done in Excel. You know, you need to change how your proposals work. Sandra can get that done this afternoon if part of that workflow is in Excel. Whereas if you need to change, and again, I'll just use Salesforce as an example. If you got to use Salesforce, it takes weeks or months potentially to make that change. I, I office out of a co-working space downtown Houston. My next door neighbor is Abyss Solutions. They're a super high-tech AI company. They're doing, they're applying AI to doing maintenance inside rigs and big industrial energy applications. And so they're like super high-tech company. They use Excel all the time. And their deliverable to their customers is an Excel file with a whole bunch of data. And to answer your question, that's because the customers want the data in Excel. They know how to use it in Excel. It's just familiar and flexible. That makes sense. Okay, it's what they know. It's it's flexible. It's powerful. So from from your perspective, what's the what's one of the biggest reasons why a business software becomes unusable? The easy answer is that the business requirements move away from what the software does. And the only reason that ever happens is because the business unit leaders and the folks who own the software internally don't evolve the software right? It's just a matter of maintenance. It's just like a road. You know, your roads are going to need maintenance. God forbid the city have a budget to build the road, but not maintain the road. You know, that's what happens a lot at companies. They get this big, nice implementation. And indeed, it may work very well when the implementation is finished. But if that implementation takes two years, which sometimes it does, of course, the business requirements are going to change in that two-year time. And Oftentimes, it's a forgotten responsibility to check, is this product doing everything we need it to? Is it helping our users? Is it, is, are all stakeholders being served? And I like using the word stakeholders because that includes the executives who just want to see the roll-up report. And then also includes the operational folks on the floor, so to speak, actually using the product. If the software doesn't serve all of those stakeholders, and of course, integrations to other departments and groups and software products, et cetera, there's room for improvement. And of course, you have to go through the the analysis of cost benefit, et cetera. I'm not saying you always need to spend money on your software, but 
that's how they get out of date. That's how they become unusable. They just let it ride too long without any changes or observation of how it's accommodating the business. So, and I could probably extract maybe some points of what you said, but I want to, I want to ask this directly. What, what ends up happening, the business outgrowing or changing and the software not? Inefficiency and accuracy. The business starts throwing people at the problem. It takes, your proposals used to take an hour to get out the door, but now you're bringing in information from three different systems and you got to use the new SOW verbiage and there's a new product line that you got to go cross-reference and look up information from. And so now your proposals are huge and they take more than a day to, to crank out, two or three days, so even a week sometimes, you know. So it's, it's you know, inefficiencies, starting to throw people at it, migration. So the software is essentially not solving problems anymore. At, at what point do businesses decide, okay, we've got to migrate to something new to improve their capabilities? At what point, you know, what's the threshold where it's like, okay, timeout, we've got to do something different? That threshold is almost always earlier than the business actually starts taking action on. The realistic answer to your question is businesses typically do that migration when they're reaching a breaking point, when their revenue is becoming impeded by the software. You literally cannot service a project or a customer with the systems that you have. And of course, that's too late. But that's oftentimes how it happens. And that's how you find yourselves in these multi-million dollar migrations where you're talking with teams of consultants at Salesforce and Accenture, and it's just a big, massive project because the car is totaled. The car is totaled at that point. So you got to buy a new car. You're rebuilding the whole car. Whereas if you just always rotate them tires and always change that oil, you know, your car is going to stay healthy longer. You know, I was in a good conversation recently with a, a director an IT director at Cameron LNG. And I was so happy to hear that his role as an IT director was basically consulting the operational groups within the business on how their software can serve them better. That was his job. That's typically not the job of an IT person. IT people are typically just pumping the brakes. No, we can't implement that. No, you don't have permissions. No, it's going to be too risky. It's not compliant, whatever. But at Cameron LNG, they're doing the right job. They're, he's consulting his businesses. How can we make the software work better for you? That's basically the question that companies need to answer. Are you re-entering data? Where are the problems? Where are the inefficiencies? And as long as you're just keeping a pulse on that, that's half of the battle. You don't have to act on it every time, of course. But if somebody on the team is just taking a look at where the inefficiencies are, you're going to see where the business requirements start deviating from the software capabilities. And just simple evaluation can tell you where to go from there. Okay. So in the industry, we're, we're seeing an increase in demand in, in lighter weight systems, right? Not these massive systems that try to solve everything for everybody, but lighter weight systems that are agile, that sort of fit what you're describing there and avoiding these migrations and maintenance and also being able to kind of share information and talk to each other in a better way. Why do you think we're seeing this increase in, in these types of systems? Really just out of necessity. Uh, it goes back to the big Salesforce idea. The big software is just too cumbersome to move. It's like a big 18-wheeler. To turn that thing down the interstate takes some energy. But if you're a little bicycle or a motorcycle scooting around, it's a little more nimble. 
And that goes back to these lightly managed systems, these 20% solutions that orbit around the big, bad 18-wheeler. It's just easier to accommodate changing business requirements. Again, the story about Sandra changing the way the proposal is created in one afternoon, she can do that because it's in Excel. She has capabilities. She knows how to build stuff in Excel. And that is tremendously valuable when somebody on your team who, of course, knows your business, knows the the business side and the requirements of what has to happen, but they also have what I'll call engineering prowess. Sandra has engineering prowess in Excel. She can make it happen in Excel. So that cuts out the whole need for the software development consultation. You need discovery and road mapping and everything in between if you got to bring on the software development. But if she's in Excel, I'm I'm using Excel because that's where we are, but this applies to many other applications who your team members have engineering capabilities in. They can change what the system is doing. And again, that's very valuable when they don't have to consult with somebody else because they already have the business requirement knowledge. Okay. This will this will be super interesting, Lee. So in your industry, what are some of the subjects in which you are a contrarian, right? In which you kind of come forward and you're like, no, I don't agree with where we're going here. Tell me about some of those things. I think my audience would find that fascinating. Yeah, certainly if there's some tech people, some digital technology people listening, I think they'll agree that this is a contrarian perspective. We're a software development company. If you hear software development, you're going to think web, mobile. I'm a contrarian in that I'm a big proponent of on-prem systems. On-prem systems are simple, they're secure, they're compliant with security inherently because they're in your inside your ecosystem. Not only that, they they're lickety split. They're so fast. How many times are you opening up Teams and you got to wait on that buffering loading circle? That's because the UI, the interface, the application is pulling down information from a web server. It's asking a web server, what do I show? Not only the content, like what's the name of the person you're chatting with, but what is the UI? Like what buttons and stuff do I show? All that's coming from a server. Okay, it's nice from a software development standpoint. When I need to distribute an update, we're just going to update the server and everybody gets that change. But if it's an on-prem app, it's very simple to develop advanced functionality. You don't need to worry about pending requests from the server. The, The whole UI design portion of building software is much, much simpler if it's just an on prem desktop installed application. There's a lot of on prem systems out there still, but they're erroneously, unfairly shunned as yesteryear's technology. And I think that distaste with on prem solutions is born out of a misconception that on-prem solutions can't interface with external cloud data. Your Outlook application on your computer, that's an on-prem system. And of course, it's taking information from the email server. Any other on-prem product installed on your computer can grab information from from elsewhere. Harley-Davidson is one of our big customers, and we have a sales performance and tracking system It's an Excel extension. They're looking at reports in Excel. We're authenticating their users into an Excel workbook, right? But all the data comes from a cloud database, all of it. From eight stores, 
the store managers can see the leaderboard, real-time data from what's happening with other people, other salespeople, other departments in the other stores in real time because it's cloud data being served into Excel, which is, of course, on-prem. So I find on-prem pretty magical. So tell me about your interactions with Growth Match. How does, how does Docmo and Growth Match work together? They're helping us get some content out. I'm your standard founder who maybe poorly manages my time allocation between doing operational productivity type business as well as that against business development and getting content out there. I just don't make enough time for it. So what was really, really nice for us is that I need to spend an hour with them once a month and they produce over a dozen very nice pieces of content for us. And it lets me hone my thoughts as well as get my thoughts out there for other people to kick the tires on them, so to speak. So it's a super convenient service and I'm real happy with it so far. Well, Lee, I really appreciate you being on the show today, telling me about Docmo around on-prem software, how how it is helping to solve the problems there, and also your thoughts on the industry. You know, you've really reminded me of the value of on-prem software and meeting people where they are, which in the enterprise and in, in a lot of places is in the office suite. So I appreciate you being on the show, telling me all things uh, around Docmo. Pleasure, Noah. Thanks a lot for having me. What a fun and contrarian episode to the cloud world we live in now with Lee of Docmo. I was very much reminded of the value of on-prem software and meeting folks where they are, which in the enterprise is in the Microsoft Office suite. As a reminder, you can learn more about GrowthMatch and their fractional growth teams and packages by going to growthmatch.com slash codestory. And thanks again for listening.